don't fuck around. Let's, what do you got? It's gonna fall through the fucking screen door. No, dude, no, I have a broken rib. Oh, fuck. of your weight to that and more to me. Oh, okay, shit. Your computer's fine, right? No, probably not. Hey, no, it's fine, fine. I your think. Your computer's fine. The cable's not. We're gonna have to fix <laughs> Good that. Good job, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So tomorrow, we're gonna have to work out what this means. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. It's August twenty sixth, two thousand. Um, <clears throat> four years since. Colin Kaepernick first started taking a knee in protest of police brutality towards, specifically, well, generally towards black people and people of color in America. Um, five, and I'm told by Twitter, five years, it's my Twitter anniversary, which, of course, I, I, I joined Twitter so that I could angrily scream about how mad I was that Colin Kaepernick was disrespecting the flag and the great tradition of American football to and the nerve, such a model. The nerve you has yeah, the same the name. And no, I did, that's not what I did. My first tweet actually was, it was the year before, and it was on that date, but it was about the, and this is pretty in keeping to anyone who knows me, it was about reading the National Geographic piece about the Pope and laughing about how the Pope's security guy has a briefcase and a special backup Pope hat he's carrying in one of the pictures <laughs> which i thought was just fucking delightful <laughs> so there's that um so the reason why i bring up kaepernick apart from what's happening right now in kenosha wisconsin where the police shot a man named jacob blake in the back seven times at least and he's now in critical condition fighting for his life there are huge protests about that and a right-wing teenager just showed up and uh, murdered two people, shot a third at one of these protests. And he came from Illinois oh, really? with a gun to do that. He was not a local. Hmm. Um, the reason I bring this up is because if there's a loose theme for this episode, it's going to be about wigging the fuck out, <laughs> losing your shit, you know, going crazy, not in a good way that Prince was talking about and not in the clinical way that we're supposed to understand mental health, but just losing your fucking shit, which is precisely what conservatives did in this country, which Donald Trump then weaponized uh, as soon as Kaepernick took that pee, took that knee in that famous protest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of initiated, I guess, this kind of like pseudo civil race war kind of, you know. As it is, I mean, I don't really, I mean, I, I say pseudo in the sense because of 
the kind of way that it's weaponized and instrumentalized in the media and then by the president and stuff like this and back and forth. But I mean, and then obviously, clearly, like you say, there's cops are killing people all the fucking time. And so, yeah, there's, you know, it's a, it's an interesting uh, situation and it's, yeah, it's, it's fucked up. And it's interesting to you to bring it back that far that we've been kind of existing in this kind of state for this, for this long. And then we're kind of ramping up now. I mean, especially with, like you say, with the, the white kid. I mean, he's like kind, of, kind of being, you know, a boogaloo boy, right, or whatever. And uh, this is kind of, again, this has been brimming around on the surface a little bit, but now it's kind of coming, um, kind of kind of frothing up, right? Like these, they've always, these guys have been kind of gathering with their guns and shit, and it was only a matter of time until, like, some someone was going to be fucking shot. Like, I was just looking at some of the footage and stuff, like, last night, and it's like, I just wouldn't even feel comfortable being in that situation with that many people that have guns. Like, fuck that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, a, it's an incredibly out of control situation. Uh, and it's just, be, it the you know, this, this bringing armed people there, armed civilians and this militia thing, it just like totally creates this heightened state of uh, tension. And it's yeah, really pretty brutal. Yeah. To protect like a gas station. Right. Exactly. I mean... Or, yeah, or in the case of uh, the Ferguson protests, uh, you know, back when Michael Brown was murdered by the police, um, they, it, the, uh, the big thing was, well, what about the convenience store that got burned down that he was killed outside of? Right. And it's like, I don't know how to find the framework to explain to people um, the difference between a human life and property. Yep. No, but it, what I yeah. sorry, go on. Oh no, I was just to that point. You know, like that Ian Miles Chong or whatever. He's always like <laughs> posting shit. Uh, someone posted something and it was like, oh yeah, like the fucking cars, like over human life. And he's like, he just tweeted it in reply, like the the cars are worth more. And it was like, oh okay, so I guess I mean you're just gonna be pretty explicit about it, I guess, you know, right? You know. I mean, not to sound callous, but the guy lives in Malaysia, so there's a chance that a Mercedes-Benz or a mid-priced American automobile automobile is considered more valuable than a life where he lives, depending on the person's life. Maybe so, yeah. You know, as a direct result of, you know, what right. global capitalism has been doing to this no, fucking world. That's true, under a certain kind of cold optics, yeah, you can kind of understand that yeah. <laughs> logic, I guess, yeah. Not defending that no, yeah. idiot at all. No, no. But, um... <laughs> I mean, I like how he's like sort of like the sort of example. I don't want to talk about him too much, but I, I like how he's sort of the example of the guy who sort of became red pilled and just sure. has had shitty takes ever since then. That's his whole like shtick because he was sort of like classically more on the sort of leftist. Uh, I hate this term, but there's no better use for it. SJW side, and then he just got pilled. That's right. By something. That's so weird. Yeah. No, I mean, and I don't. Matt. I don't want to focus magically without having to leave his couch. By the way, <laughs> just want to point. No, totally, yeah. Uh, and I don't want to like, yeah, focus on those him too much either. But like, there is a phenomenon that I was kind of noticing in 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 that um, these kind of like ex Marines or former Marines um, becoming like Twitch streamers, and then once something happens like a like a an uprising or a situation or whatever, that they're there live streaming it. Um, and it's kind of interesting how they're kind of like in the, under like press pass situations. And I was just yeah. I was just seeing a lot of, a couple of feeds last night that were like these guys, all these dudes that were like clearly former former military or some kind of a situation like that, you know. And they all had vests and everything. They're like they're very well prepared. And it was just kind of an interesting like phenomena of, as far as just like this uh, 
this new way of documenting all these things, you know? Um, yeah. And it being kind of like, it reminded me of like, oh, imagining if like, you know, you were in like an, an Iraq or Afghanistan of like how the cameraman would be there, you know, in the scene or whatever. And it, it it's kind of, I feel like there's like a certain domestication of that same kind of concept, you know, where it's like, okay, we've got these people who are like former sure. military, they're documenting the scenes because they're probably like the most likely to put themselves in these kinds of situations of danger to some degree also be, you know, a little bit more well-equipped well to deal with it, I guess. Uh, uh, but nonetheless, it just kind of creates a, a strange situation where it's like, huh, interesting, like where, um, you know, yeah, there's all these, different, it, all these different eyeballs looking at all these different situations, right? And I mean, some of them are yeah. seem pretty cool, like, don't get me wrong, it's not like they're all like up to something and bad, but like, but um, it's interesting. I mean, I don't say cool, but like they seem like they have like they're, they're in the right spot, like they get pissed off if somebody's like just filming and not helping or something like that, you know, but. Yeah, the citizen journalist thing right. sort of is an interesting and it's so it's not just also marine people, but it's also people who used to be uh, combat um, journalists themselves, like that guy Robert Evans or whatever. Sure. Who's pretty popular covering um, Portland. I know he's been in the Middle East quite a bit. Yeah. But an interesting thing that I considered um, is one of the first pieces I ever wrote as a freelance writer was for a, a defunct magazine. But I interviewed Christian Parenti, who is the um, the Nation magazine's uh, war correspondent for the Iraq War. Oh. And uh, so, and, and the impression I got from him was that because it was so tightly regulated there, I'm speaking to your idea of the domestication of sort of war zone mm -hmm. reporting and so forth, mm -hmm. is that that domestication actually started in Baghdad in like the green zone because, you know, it was not like the Vietnam War where people would leave their safe little enclaves with the military and go out and talk to the locals and talk to sometimes like you know, Viet Cong. I mean, like, Jane Fonda famously had, like, her picture taken with the fucking Viet Cong. You can't really imagine... Right. Uh, you can't imagine Maggie Gyllenhaal doing that with, like, you know, the Mahdi Army or something. Or, like, <laughs> or whatever a better example would be, you know. But, um, so that... It, there was a domestication of information mm -hmm. that happened that was, like, very much cutting off the source of people actually going out and speaking as much. And that... It, that's not quite happening here as right yet as much as it is oh, the fight for meaning, the fight for the propagandizing and weaponizing of these videos because right. there's this huge battle right now over this 17-year-old. Oh, did he shoot and kill in self-defense because he was being attacked? Mm -hmm. Well, what does this video say? Well, if you see a small portion of the video, it seems like he's on the ground and someone comes rushing up. Well, they're trying to disarm him because apparently he'd already shot another guy in the head earlier. Right. And so and you can't argue self-defense if you leave one state and go to another with a fucking assault rifle to go defend property that isn't yours. That doesn't make that doesn't click. No, no, no. Yeah. No, and that's that's a very good point. It's um it's uh it's that it's yeah, this instrumentalization and the propagandizing through all these then because that's what I was like noticing too, is like, okay, I can go and like watch a feed on some Twitter or get linked to it by searching a hashtag or whatever. And then you search the hashtag like 30 minutes later and it's the same videos getting cycled through all of the different like circles of different kinds of people. Like, right. Like there's the right wingers that are getting this, this video now and now they're all processing it. And then there's the left people who are processing it and taking it and going, you know, and so like you say, there's these, there's this uh, fight over what is the narrative here? You know, what is the actual narrative here? Which is um, goes to a lot of just kind of the overall chaos, but but yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, well, it, it's and and again, that fight for the narrative is sort of undermining and defeating uh, about a half century's worth of logical positivism as a not notion, like philosophical notion that you can sort of scientifically derive uh, social information from just the way things are are funneled and so forth, because right. there are actually some pretty unusual and unexpected responses happening out there um, that I don't think you could just uh, beep up, boop, boop, enter into a computer and then have this, the results spit out in the correct way. You know, I'm trying to use anachronistic um, computer visuals because mm -hmm. uh, logical positivism to me is an anachronistic way of thinking. And I wanted to bring up something that had been on my mind for a minute, which is... Uh, a notion that came out of David Foster Wallace's first novel, The Broom of the System, and it comes from the title, where there's one character who is sweeping her kitchen and she asks the, I guess, a grandson or nephew or something, what's the fundamental part of the broom? Is it the bristles or is it the handle? What's the elemental part? And the kid responds, well, it's the bristles, obviously, because it's a broom, it's for sweeping. And she says, well, it's only a broom if you're sweeping with it, yes, but the fundamental part would be the handle if you're using it to break a window or if you're using it to hit somebody. Mm -hmm. It's the handle that matters. Mm -hmm. It really depends upon its use. And that comes to um, <clears throat> Ludwig Wittgenstein's 43rd, uh, 43rd section from his investigations where he, his philosophical investigations where he says that, use a quote here, the meaning of a word is its use in the language. Mm -hmm. And I think if we're going to talk about Madness and, and people behaving in ways that seem very unlike what a healthy and, you know, sane functioning society would be, you know, doing. We kind of have to talk about meaning. Like, who is a freedom fighter? Who is a defender? Who is a protester? Who is a rioter? What the fuck is a president, you know? Yeah. We don't have people agreeing on that because for some people... You could take the word broom and exchange it with president. And so president to like people who are in the liberal class who are like, you know, comfortable, not very particularly left wing, but Joe Biden types. The president is a faithful administrator of the system as it should be. But for people who are in a different class, people who are in a different political thinking, like the far right, president is the dear leader. President is king. President is a unilateral worker who pushes through all the bullshit, drains the swamp, and cuts all the bureaucracy out of the way. Yeah. We haven't had an agreement on that word ever since that, you know, since that, that guy. pesky postmodernism came all along. Yeah. <laughs> and then postmodernism got its first real president in 2016. Right, right. I mean, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's just like, I mean, that's that's just so big it's so it's hard to unpack and even really go but i mean it's part and parcel of the way like you say in the way that we imagistically or associate uh these concepts and these words and these people and ideas you know and like um i genuinely do think that there's like a um been a limiting of the like available you know pieces of the puzzle puzzle so to speak that would like help make the picture a little bit more clear you know what i mean as opposed to trying to like lump these like really kind of clumsy uh you know categories and names and things onto something when it's like this it's not accurate to just to simplify it typically to such a degree which is usually what's happening is that people are kind of you know 
especially when it comes down to the propagandistic message. I mean, it's like, <clears throat> it's just the, the simplification and the complete decontextualization usually of the situation or something like that to, you know, to use it in some kind of a way as like a token or something or a weapon in some way. And, um, I mean, like you say, yeah, we don't have an agreement on these fundamental words that we're even using in the first place. And so, no, uh, I, and, and, and one of the things that uh, Noam Chomsky, for many people, has, has been most critical of Marxism in its scientific approach, one of the things he's been the most critical about um, has been the notion that we can use language and culture to shape and form people, because that's all people are, according to the tenets of like positivism and some of the tenets of maybe a, a more dry reading of Marx. And, and he Riley suggests that the reason why this is so attractive to intellectuals is because they think that they will be the ones doing the shaping. But it's pretty clear that that's not ever going to be the case in our lifetimes and perhaps has never been the case where it's like, you know, these grand ideas or whatever, um, they get turned on their head quite quickly. Look how quickly the Enlightenment turned into something uh, as messy as the French Revolution. Sure, yeah. And um, you could say similar things about the, what became of like the difference between, you know, the Bolshevism and then straight up like totalitarian communism, like state capitalist communism under Stalin. Like, sure, that doesn't seem like a logical progression, but it does seem to on some level repudiate the notion that we could simply factor in the right kind of conditions to squeeze people in the right direction and they'll go that way. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what's, what's really damaging, I think for the whole left and what's been damaging for the left for a long time is that that's been the model that kind of it's running with is like this PR style, like, um, just kind of like test, like, you know, testing it in like a consulting board or whatever. Um, kind of like, how does this work? What do people like? You know, kind of like shoot, you know, bouncing ideas around <laughs> and this, and, and yeah. kind of, and then plugging that into a simulation or some kind of a data, you know, analysis, right? And then you get these, like, yeah, plugged in little, like, because people's motivations are usually this, and so blah blah blah, and then it's like, so yeah, you try to compute and so like create this like model of what what it is that's going to happen and how people are, and that's kind of like what. Demo like democratic party and stuff like that has like really just try to like utilize and really refine and like kind of just like revel in is it's like that's that is like the rational bureaucratic you know structure that's like this just works because it's like bop 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 and everything just bop 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 meritocrat like, yeah, the number the numbers don't lie the numbers don't lie well they might not lie but they don't tell the truth well there's always that uh, there's always there's the whole truth there's always going to be the unaccounted for consequences and also just not even the consequences but just even in your data set in your initial accumulating of data or whatever you know you're going to be missing some you're having to shave something off you know to even make a set of data so and then i mean i think and then yeah you know, like you say like what how something can turn into something else where it's like these unintended consequences and so even if you are applying models or if there's somebody I mean, this is like a thing that's like you got to kind of question the puppet string kind of master, puppet master kind of narratives is because it's like, well, even if they do like get a ball rolling in a direction or something, uh, you can't really know what every person's going to do. There's going to be too many, you know, liable like actors and operators in the situation that you can't account for everyone's actions in the future, right? 
So right. I think that these, I think that that's what makes like the right wing narratives of like the conspiratorial kind of skepticism of all of this stuff um, a little bit more shaky, or at least coming at it from that angle is not the way to like a, 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 to kind of peel it apart and try to dissect it. In my opinion, if you're going to do that, um, you know, it's not to kind of like, I don't know, play in their terms or something, but. Yeah, you, you have to really, you have to really sort of embrace a certain degree of uncertainty to even begin to think or analyze what's going to happen. And I want to kind of bring up a for instance, because <clears throat> as, as the show goes through this episode, I'll talk about some of the things that are causing me to kind of lose my shit a little bit right now, because I think we, we, we can both acknowledge to our listeners that we kind of missed a week of recording because we both had kind of been in some bad spots, maybe mentally, and in my case also physically, because I crashed my bike and cracked my fucking ribs last Thursday. Oh, no, man. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm like in the middle of like doing this like roofing carpentry project, you know, for my friend, yeah. restoring like an old like 90-year-old garage, and like it's not fun to do that with a busted ribcage. No, but, that's fucked. Uh you know, beyond that, there was the DNC happening all last week, which I want to talk about in a minute. Yeah. Two hurricanes headed towards my former home in New Orleans. Uh, fires all over in California. Yeah, fires in my family, in my hometown of Boulder Creek and Santa Cruz. Yeah. Yeah, which has got to be like a really horrifying notion, like apocalyptic. I, sympathies for sure. I mean, yeah, well, it's just, yeah, it's a, uh, it's definitely surreal in the sense because I mean, it's susceptible to fires. You know, all of California is and stuff, but. But no, yeah, it's yeah. just like, well, this one's really intense. And then, I mean, just in the way that it was kind of spurred in the first case by something that's, you know, it's uh, kind of rare, I guess, as far as the lightning, you know, these like dry thunderstorms, thunderstorms that have these these uh, just lightning strikes, you know, um, which is pretty, yeah. pretty, I mean, I don't remember that, at least in recent summers, personally. Um, and everyone's like, you know, this is clearly climate change. And it's like, yes, clearly, I think clearly that is the case. But I was looking at some stuff like this one dude who documents like earthquakes and stuff and it was really fascinating to see that like there's a lot of earthquakes along the fault lines and a lot of the fires are along fault lines and <laughs> and then there's also like drilling and a lot in shit like all along these places that have are the current drilling places for oil or were you know drilled in the past and are now just basically kind of hollowed out you know and so the the yeah. earth is just fucking tripping and i mean that's not an uncommon thing either where earthquakes cause electricity you know to you know spread out of the earth and shit yeah, like they, that so there's like earthquake weather they call it. right so yeah. i mean there's a lot of fucked up shit going on in terms of just like reaping i guess again these unintended consequences of shit that we did in fucking california at like the turn of the century or whatever yeah i mean does anything say tapped out more than like fracking on a fault line but you know <laughs> it's 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 that and i forget the name of oh daniel plainview and there will be blood you got to think that mm. his character is just cackling from hell right now. Right. You know, fictional character hell. Just like, <laughs> ha <"Haha>, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, and it, it feels like a lot of this is a consequence of the kinds of thinking that we're talking about or lack of thinking. And that's what I wanted to put, uh, pit against the notion, the two notions there of the DNC versus the RNC, where the DNC is something that is literally like, Let's look at the numbers. Let's get the wonks involved. Let's go by committee. Whereas the RNC is just the id unleashed. Mm -hmm. It's just like the whole libidinous, fucking mad, angry, you know, wild 
it's like those videos you see from like weddings in the Middle East where the guys are just like firing off AK-47s and like one of the guys doesn't have the arm strength to keep it upright so he just strafes the crowd. <laughs> Except imagine after the strafing, people actually cheer. <laughs> That's kind of what the RNC feels like. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that was driving me crazy was uh, the DNC's little gambit, which we all knew was going to happen and we all knew was a disastrous idea to court the Republicans from the so-called sane days of George W. Bush, which is maddening. I mean, the first night they had Christine Todd Whitman as EPA, sec- you know, secretary of EPA or whatever, whatever the head of the EPA is called. She was a featured speaker, right? And they had fucking John Kasich. We had Colin Powell. Uh, I say we, it's like yeah. I'm not a Democrat. I'm just saying what we got to watch. Um, and the whole, you could, this whole thing had the gloss of like pandering. It's like, what do they want? And, uh-huh. The first polls have come out, and it suggests that 5% of Republicans are going to vote Biden versus 3% of Democrats that are going to vote Trump, whereas a whopping 42% of independents are going to Trump, 37% going to Biden. This is all post-DNC. So you have to look at that and think those numbers are only going to stagger more after the RNC because its spectacle really does feed the American psyche so much better. And you have to think like, my God, my God, you fucking done it again. Uh, up, up until this point, I really thought this was Biden's to lose. But now I think he's actually actively losing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. And I'm losing it thinking about that. I don't want a Biden presidency, but we got to get fucking Trump out of here, man. Yeah. Right. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I would agree. I mean, there's also like that kind of like, not that I'm an accelerationist, but there's like a kind of a strategic game of like, well, what if, you know, if. It, uh, if we had more Trump, would it radicalize people more? Or, you know, I mean, like there's that kind of a tactical considerations or whatever. But but no, I mean, yeah, like you say, like Biden's, I mean, it was, it was kind of clear already. It was like, well, yeah, Biden, great, okay. Um, this is going to be interesting to yeah. watch. And then it just, like, but you, yeah, you kind of felt like his handlers or whatever kind of were keeping it under wraps or under control. And then, you know, announces Kamala, right? And then, and then since then, it's just like you say, like just gotten really, really weird. I mean, there was that one video that was going around, obviously, that was like, people were just like, this is like Tim and Eric or something. It was like so strange in its ex- like just production quality and alone of that video, right? Who was singing? I forget. Um, Steven, Steven Stills. Yeah. Uh, and was it Billy Porter? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was just, um, but it was just a little bit surreal. It was just kind of like, whoa, this is, re- yeah. this is really bizarre. It's just like kind of a weird art. A public access art project or something you know is this like yeah and the thing is they're doing that song for what it's worth right uh-huh. which was talking about how like the the it was a song as far as i understand about how the norms of 1960s society were breaking down under like oppressive like rule that was not being fixed by the dnc for instance <laughs> yeah you know like the 68 convention that like you know, sunk McGovern and forced Hubert Humphrey on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, well, of course, they would want to and, revise history and appropriate that, though, for themselves, right? Basically, right. But you really want to remind people of that specter? Like, you want to? <laughs> is is now the moment to remind people that like DNC or Democratic uh, fucking corrupt uh, mayor boss uh, Daly was it Richard Daly or whatever was like having the cops crack fucking skulls, mm-hmm. particularly in the days where you know. 
Rahm Emanuel, who is going to be the new, you know, the the consultant class face of the Democratic Party and has been since Obama, was the fucking uh, mayor of Chicago once again, you know, and and also famously helped the cops cover up, you know, the murder of a young black man and cover up the black sites of uh, literal like disappearing torture spots that the cops were running, and he's it's just like, what are you doing? Why, we don't want to be reminded of this, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that they're banking on the the idea that people won't remember it or just won't even know. I mean, I, I think that that's part of the, the like, changing of the, the kind of like when we're talking about, you know, Walter Benjamin, it's like this distraction, you know, when he talks about, you know, like this, a new way of passing time through just distraction and especially through outrage, you know, being just distracted by outrage. And so you're just, your, like, focus is constantly being shifted around and, you know, it ca- like creates a sense of amnesia, you know, and it's just kind of like you're not going to necessarily pull that fact out unless you're a little bit, you know, I mean, looked into it a little bit more or something. But I think that that's on both sides. That's what people bank on is like that they people are just not going to know. And that's what allows for this instrumentalization and like changing of the narrative and like, oh, because you're not going to know the context and the history of this. So I can just tell you this and you're going to think that that's the case. Yeah. Exactly that, you know, and it's not like this is anything new. No. It's just, it's, it's, and I mean, a great example of it would be um, when Ronald Reagan used Born in the USA for his campaign. <laughs> and it's like, do you know what that song is about? It does not give a particularly good vision of uh, Republican policy and what it has done to the working class and those who had to go to Vietnam. Totally. Uh, I mean, that's what that makes right, just as, that is an aside that makes Trump's uh, song with the Rolling Stones of you don't always get what you want even more more strange or like yeah a little more odd at least in that lineage where it's like because he's not trying to impress or like it was just came off so like you're not trying to impress almost or like, or like it was weird you know it's a mixed message in that sense where it's not trying to be like yeah America look we're America we're what we're what makes America cool like Republicans or Democrats respectively when they use it for themselves but Trump's like. You don't always get what you want. It's just like, huh. It's almost like a message yeah. from someone behind him. You know what I mean? And essentially, like, yeah, this is over. Like, you know, you're not going to get what you want anymore. <laughs> but you're going to get, you're really get what you need. I that we would, after R.A.M. got mad at him for using their music, I was really hoping that he would just use It's the End of the World as we know it. <laughs> and then the uh, DNC would use We Didn't Start the Fire and you would just have the two most annoying possible outcomes. Not because I don't like the R.E.M. song, but because it would just be so rankly ironic and brutal. Be, mm-hmm. You know, foisted on us by the RNC. And then the DNC, the We Didn't Start the Fire, which is like the boomer anthem, which is like, hey, we didn't do this. You know, like this ain't our fault. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to have, we're just trying to have a good time. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, yeah, well, you might not have started it, but you certainly didn't do a fucking thing to put it out. But we didn't get that. Instead, we got that weird dance, which I mean, I understand Billy Porter's like a, a, a gay choreographer and, and all that kind of stuff, but it's just like. And I'm sure he's a you know very talented guy, but like dressing up like a weird RuPaul vampire and like, well, like one of the oldest rock stars in America plays his song from 50 years ago. Who is that supposed to make feel like? Who is that supposed to appeal to? Right. I, 
I feel like that's literally just the result of having almost like a chaotic bingo type strategy of saying, okay, well, yeah. we're going to take the things that everyone likes. We're going to put it into this hat and we're going to shake it up and we're going to pull two things out. And those two things are going to be the theme. And it's like, oh, okay, well, boomers <laughs> love Steven Stills and Forrest Gump. And I don't know, the kids like gays. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> no, it's totally. You know. It's like it's like adopting that <laughs> that positivist modeling of thinking, but having to change yeah. the kind of the tactics because you're like, okay, we got this board right, and but you've got like you've hired on a bunch of interns or memers or whatever, and they're like, yeah. no more, right? And then you're like, yeah, like a bingo, and you're like, okay, we have these these are the demo demographics we're trying to appeal to, and then and then the memer is kind of like, okay, well, all you got to do is just kind of like jumble it up and like you know make it ironic and crazy and somewhat non sequitur and kind of schizophrenic and then they'll like it. You know, it's like, that's kind of yeah. almost like the, the, the tactic that is like being adopted because it's kind of like, well, what do people like? Yeah. Well, people's advert like sense of, you know, what they like, it's, it's impossible to tell because people are kind of like, besides people who are really like brand loyalists, I guess, or whatever, but it is kind of hard to tell what people want because people are kind of, people kind of signal in different ways in terms of like, if you're going to be trying to like, you know, read them in an advertising kind of way. It's kind of, it's kind of harder now in a weird way, but it's also easier because you can like script people and people are more willing to like go into a script, I think to some degree, but, but. Um, yeah. But the, I mean, it's, 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 sorry, go on. Uh, no, go ahead. It's some real Edward Brunet shit, but exactly. it's also just like, it's, it's laughable from like anyone who's of our generation who like grew up on TV. Cause it's literally like a Simpsons joke. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's literally like that thing where they're trying to, figure out what what the new big toy for christmas will be so they get like a panel of like kids together and they you know in a room and they ask them do you like this do you like that <laughs> yeah. and like um eventually it's like millhouse or ralph wiggum or someone starts crying because the guy runs in and goes like what the hell do you want you want something that's like this but then you want something that's like that that these seem to be exact opposites and the kid starts crying and just buzzes on the i don't want button and kind of that's what i was feeling like mm -hmm. With the whole DNC thing, it reminded me of that in the Stephen Stills, Billy Porter thing. I don't want to flog this too much because there's already been a lot of stuff talked about. But it like was jarring just how bad it looked uh -huh. and, and didn't seem to appeal to anyone. And it reminded me of that um, Onion article from four years ago where they said DNC attempting to appeal to working class swing state voters with a musical written by Lena Dunham and Lin-Manuel Miranda. And it just shows <laughs> these people like claw dancing on the stage. And it's like, Oh God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, it's pretty much where, it's yeah. where we are. Right. I mean, that's the logic of it pretty much. And it's, and it's, I don't even think that there's, there's a feigned attempt, I guess. And it's kind of like that, that even category of a demographic, right? These middle Americans or working class Americans. It's like become so just so weaponized and, confusing like it's 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 to me it doesn't really refer to anything other than it's an ideological category or something you know but i mean it's obviously people do exist i'm one of them you know we are both people that are working class but i just mean like in the way that it's often invoked um it's like a purely ideological subject you know um and yeah at, they mean dumb people when they say it right well that's what that's that's the way, i mean yeah. that's what yeah that's and then so like in the, if you're gonna be like if you kind of are realistic about that cynicism that underlies all this. It's like, yeah, are they even trying to appeal to them? No, they're not. So they're, what they're done is like they've stratified the demographics to be that like those are the people that would be for Trump. And then so it's just kind of like shifting the board a little bit or something. And then people who are just like well, common sense, rational people are going to be not for Trump. You know, so it's kind of like it just skews this this thing. And I don't feel like it's 
I, yeah, I just don't feel like it's completely like organic, I guess, in the sense of, uh, yeah, like I say, what people really want or anything like that, you know? And it's certainly not as organic as what the RNC was delivering on because it's the whole, they played it pitch perfect so far. And it's what, only Wednesday. We got two more nights of this shit tonight and tomorrow. Mm. And it's like, they delivered what they want. They came up with a lineup that was so absurd and inflammatory. Everyone would just talk about it. Well, that responded, you know, that, that ended up with way more ratings. Yeah. Because it blew, the libs are all pissed off. It triggered the fucking libs. They're, they're losing their minds. Mm-hmm. And then it, it also just gives, like, clear messaging to the people out there. Like, there's no ambiguity the way there is with the DNC, where it's like, look, we're not going to give you any of the things that Bernie and AOC want, but here they are. Here's Bernie and AOC, and they're telling you to do the right thing. Right. It's like, no one likes that. The whole thing about Liz Warren sitting in the empty uh, children's, the empty, like, school room. Yeah. That was so creepy with the BLM in the background. Oh, right. Know, spelled out in like, in like blocks. Total like, like just screened in like fake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was just, it was, it, even if she's in that room, it's creepy as shit. <laughs> yeah. It's just like you're in an, during a, a pandemic, you're in an empty classroom. And uh, my friend pointed this out the other day and I wanted to bring it up the, uh, um, uh, geez, Mark Fisher had, a notion that the difference between weirdness and eeriness uh-huh. was that weirdness was something where it's the addition of something that seems extra normal. Like, for instance, Donald Trump is president. That's extra normal, right? That's just strange. Uh-huh. Eeriness is the absence of something. And so uh-huh. the DNC spectacle, that particular thing, it's eerie, and people don't like eeriness. It's, it's, the, it's the height of, like you know, strange, it's the height of difficulty having to like be in an eerie place. Yeah, I know. It's like a strange void or something. You can feel the emptiness of it, right? Yeah. Like the hollow void nothingness that pulls you towards it, like a black hole or something. And you're just kind of like, Oh, oh, this is fucking, this is kind of gives me like a vertigo sense or something. Or like, Mm -hmm. yeah, people are all about that shit on the internet, like the liminal spaces, right? Like empty old office buildings and shit like that. But exactly. It's that kind of vibe where it's like, why are you in an empty classroom? It's like, and you know what it does? It underpins a major theory or a major component of neoliberalism since the days of Carter, which is urban decay, which is the notion of like these great cities that were built for like manufacturing bases and like what in the modern period, the, the middle of the 20th century, were considered like, you know, uh, uh, apex zeniths of, of modernity mm-hmm. now look like they're decayed husks and that's a form of eeriness that if i were a democratic consultant which i'm not mm. the first thing i told them is don't bring that up yeah. don't make those images there you want renewal you don't want decay you don't want the emptiness you don't want the void you want to talk about the renewal that's possible and they did that to some degree but they didn't do it in a way where their messaging actually did anything yeah because they kept panning out to the empty audience which is creepy as shit don't do that yeah, no, totally. I mean, that's kind of an interesting idea like, in your invoke, like the concept of the specter, right? I mean, there's kind of a specter for, for Trump, too, is the silent majority, right? It's like a similar kind of thing. But like you say, there's an, it's like it has substance. And I mean, if, if the DNC were to kind of like face their shadow, so to speak, right? Or like acknowledge the void or acknowledge all these things, perhaps. I mean, obviously, it could get very quickly used against them and decontextualized. But on the other hand, okay. it would, at least it would be like a sense of recognition and being like, okay, this is no longer like an about face situation. Like, 
we're genuinely like genuinely trying to do something you know like you know what i mean and we just kind of like drop it all and just, just drop the whole bullshit and just stop with all of this stuff you know the performativeness right. and the spectacality of it and all that stuff and just kind of be like really just like yeah we're acknowledging how fucked how fucked up we've been and you know kind of situation yeah. if it could be done in a way that was not you know entirely you know placating and bullshit but that's never going to happen right that's not going to happen no they'd have to they'd re- have to return so many checks from wall street and fucking yeah. you know credit card companies and from medical insurance companies and i'm glad you brought that up because um that's a notion that's like I, I saw someone on Twitter. It was a lib, and they were just like, "Can you imagine how just vastly different it would be if Donald Trump just apologized and kind of said my bad for anything? Like he might even just start winning the popular vote." And I was like, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> but what if the DNC did that? What if Joe Biden came out and was like, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, I was wrong about a lot of shit for the last forty-seven years." Yeah. And uh, you know, here's what I've learned from history. Mm-hmm. Well, that's never going to happen either. So, like, why even mention either notion? They're both, yeah. They're both like, obviously, they'd be massive improvements to what we're currently dealing with, but they're never going to happen. It's a pipe dream. Yeah, no, it's an, it's entirely kind of like uh, counterintuitive to their entire like reason they got here in the first place. I mean, in the only sense that which you could do is like projecting the motivations, right? And be like, well, Trump seems like he's inspired by greed, whereas these other people ostensibly are inspired by something else, like more like the welfare of the state or community, but. But I think that that gets very convoluted along the lines and as people become careerist and have to make compromises and all these different things, right? And so. Yeah, you know, it's like so many people that I've known who go to like higher university and I mean like not just like a state college. I mean, I know people who went to the Ivies, right? Mm -hmm. And so many of them like understand politics through the lens of political science courses they've taken that give them a total like, you know, Marxist viewpoint as well. And many of them advocated it. And then so many of them work as fucking consultants for this or, you know, uh, designers for that. And it's like, it's that um, dissonance between what kind of in the back of your mind, like those who are educated enough to know that these things are correct or whatever, because this is what we've been told. The elite institutions tell us the right way of thinking, but then go on to use that level of, eliteness and and you know uh peak achievement to just join the machine Mm -hmm. is it's haunting it's like startling it's it's something where it's just like well there's no ending this as long as this is the system there's no ending that pipeline yeah no absolutely yeah and that's a pipeline protest that i can get behind even more than the the dapl (laughs) which would be the ending private school to fucking like uh massive public service positions no shit pipeline. for sure yeah you know like I, if not abolishing I, I, all private joke, school even i don't know but we don't need to go totally. there <laughs> i mean i've joked many times i've joked many times that like okay everyone says and t- correctly that the school to prison pipeline is very real and it's very wrong but what if those schools were yale and princeton mm-hmm. then a school to prison pipeline would be fucking rad it'd be like oh yeah <laughs> You failed the fucking, uh, the famous, uh, uh, what is it, um, Stanford prison experiment? All right, well, yep. you're actually going to prison now <laughs> because we don't trust you being in, in power anymore. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and so I think my prediction right now as it stands is, and this is just me having wigged out completely, and also I want to point out, very sad because one of my favorite metal singers, Riley Gale from Power Trip, just died at the way too young age of 34, like, Monday. Oh, I'm sorry. And 
Yeah, that sucked. I mean, I didn't know the guy personally, but I thought his band fucking ripped. And like his first, their first two albums were like crucial to like that hardcore thrash sound that so many of us love. And like, it's just sad. They were working on their third album. You know, there's no cause of death announced yet, but it's just such a shitty thing because they seem like a genuinely good band with like good political uh, compass. But um, mm-hmm. so my brain all fucked up right now as it is and messed up with some things uh, of a negative quality that we've been discussing. Uh, my prediction is no question Joe Biden wins the fucking, as it stands right now, wins the fucking uh, popular vote. But major question whether or not he gets in on the actual electoral college. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think there will be gains in both the Senate and Congress for um, Democrats. But when I watch people like Nancy Pelosi, who made a pledge to progressives that we will no longer give you funding if you try to primary our sitting Democrats and then went ahead and endorsed Joe Kennedy III, who's primarying Ed Markey. Uh, the Democrats might fuck that up too mm. because they're just that awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm reticent about, yeah, making any kind of predictions at this point because it's just, I just feel like, I mean, this is total kind of like that shit you know conspiracy stuff but you know there was this funny meme or whatever that was came out early when COVID-19 started and it was like this leaked the rest of 2020 calendar right and it's like yeah. it's all of, <laughs> yeah. it's all the months right and it's just like the you know, it's just like the apocalypse essentially where we you know yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're in the stage where it predicts the fires and then there's supposed to be an asteroid which is about predicted right there's supposed to be like some asteroids coming the day of before the election uh-huh. But it's only like seven oh, seven feet in diameter, and it's supposed to like kind of bust up before it would impact anywhere or something like that. But but it's it's just like you know, it's throwing more fuel in that fire of just kind of like you know something's coming, something's coming, something's coming. Which is with all the QAnon people, they're banging their drums about the Great Awakening and all this stuff and the storm and this kind of like, and that's what's so ominous to me, I guess, in terms of the general narrative no matter and it's kind of hard to i'm not like horseshoeing it or horseshoe theory in but it's just like there's a sense in which there's a vision of a horizon and we're like we're we're coming over it or something you know there's this very like there's a a new an a a new aeon upon us kind of like language and kind of atmosphere i feel like in terms of just uh what's being pushed like you know like whether it be pushed in the, in the in the ter- in like the flavor that the right wants or it be pushed in the flavor that le- the left wants and it makes me kind of like sus- just suspicious of like this the general like that idea of like this quote-unquote awakening right or you know anytime yeah. anytime when then there's like a, a a kind of a potentially hubristic situation of like self-aggrandizing yourself or becoming prematurely like proud of yourself for some accomplishment um mm-hmm. But again, you don't know the like the potential consequences of or whatever. Like it's kind of like eh, I don't I don't know. I'm a little wary of that. Like I don't think that we're really in a state right now of like congratulating ourselves so much as we are to like be like really kind of you know doing the opposite. But but yeah, it yeah, just totally. makes me really just kind of like and I don't know. Like I don't really think that's gonna happen or like anything catastrophic on that level. But it does create like a certain damper, and it's just like I'm like just like I'm not like. So I was for a minute. I was like really depressed by it, almost in a sense, because I was just like thinking about what, the fires and stuff, and I was just like, what was going on with my, you know, my family members and friends and stuff like that. So it's all kind of like coming up, right. coming like you said, like you said, apocalyptic. 
Um, and so I was like, fuck, this is like really brutal. But on the other hand, this is like, this is the narrative, you know, like this is a part of the, the propaganda. Like, you know what I mean? There's nothing is like a free floating piece of information. Everything is like pointed and, you know, and you kind of don't know how it's working on you subliminally to some degree. And before you're like adopting it and be like, oh, wait, well, the world's not going to end. Like, you know, whatever, like these things that are just like seeded into your mind to some degree. But, but I don't know. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I do question like whether or not the election will be pushed back or changed or something will happen. Um, I don't know. I'm, I just I mean, there's a good chance it won't even be legitimate either way. For sure. I mean that in the sense that like there's no agreed upon truth anymore. So no matter what the exactly. outcome is, it's still going to be considered illegitimate. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Like literally no matter what happens. That's the other part of it. So it's kind of like even if there is an election, it's not going to be an election in the sense of which that we consider or think about it or have considered it in the past because it's going to be contentious from the get-go, more so than previous ones. And so it's just like, yeah, we're there's no returning to that status quo, you know? No, and it's funny because, like, we say this as guys who've only ever been able to vote under times when the elections were always kind of, like, under contention. Yeah. Under, you know, it's like the first election I was old enough to vote in was Bush v. Gore. And it's like, right. oh, <laughs> yeah. I was literally 18 that year. So it's like, mm-hmm. um, that was clearly an illegitimate election, but they allowed it to go forth. And I think that you can't unring that bell and we're just hearing the resonance of that still two decades later, which everyone's forgotten to the degree that the Democrats have welcomed the Republicans in from that era into this fold. The ones who were the architects of that fucking shameful abasement of whatever was left of American democracy, which probably wasn't much. Yeah. Right. Right. No, it's totally though, but it was just a death knell. yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. That's another, that part of just like bringing in, like, yeah, like they've been kind of like beta testing this for a long time, not they, but you know, it's just like, it's been, this concept has been kind of getting and growing and it's like, yeah, things are getting illegitimate. Like there's so many different ways it could be illegitimate too, right? Like that's what I'm saying. There's like flavors, you know, pick your flavor where it's like, there's a, there's kind of a truth in there somewhere because there's these companies that make these things and that sell them and have contracts with these you know states and do this and it's like that's where you that's where i would look right it's like what is going on there what is the relationship oh like Diebold or whatever yeah like, like all these kind of like yeah where there's like legitimate corruption in some form or another right and then oh yeah totally like the famous thing that you can always just tell people that has been kind of like a punchline is like google um two what is it 2004 ohio voting machines mm-hmm. if you really want to like start looking into some really dark shit because that's exactly what you're talking about. No, exactly. And, and then, but so there's like, that's like the kind of more realistic thread to follow of like, follow the money, follow who, who, who makes these things, how these things get sourced out, who's selling it, making the software, et cetera, et cetera. As opposed to, and then there's like all these different ways though. Like, like there's, oh, oh, well, there's the, the mail though. And then that becomes then like a politicized and like media topic that people can argue about on both sides as opposed to being like a thing that you can actually kind of follow into and like, look into because it's like no well of course you should have a fucking mail service you know it's just like kind of ridiculous that we can even talk about that as opposed to just being like yeah. it just kind of make, creates a fog of war and again like that kind of tactic of like poisoning a well where it's like well eh, there's kind of something here but don't really pay attention to that part let's focus on this other shit that's like louder and more you know people can get really excited about you know basically because it's like what are you going to do you can't it's so hard to track down and there's not really mechanisms in place to deal or like as a citizen or a group of citizens to come after a company that's like 
creating illegitimate software. Yeah. Sort. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right, it's not, it's not going to be like RoboCop where we're going to have the hero go into the fucking um, <laughs> skyscraper, the Omnicore skyscraper, and actually like... Yeah, take out the CEO. Do battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who survives through most of those movies, which always strikes me as funny. Like, he, all of his like second in command always just get fucking like murked, but he somehow manages to make it through because he is the Mr. Burns like consistent, you know, uh-huh. consistent villain throughout it. He's the arch villain that always gets away, uh, kind of like Doctor Claw in fucking um, Inspector Gadget or something. It's like, uh-huh. or Carmen Sandiego. It's like you need someone who's like, okay, there's the sub villains who get captured, but the one has to always slip the hand. And, yeah. So it would make sense that it would be a CEO type character. But yeah, what you're saying is correct. Um, and barring some kind of second coming, which would, you know, certainly we're ripe for it, but I don't, <laughs> it would be pretty heretical of me to try to make the assumption that it's happening right now or that this is the time. But, uh, which is fucked up. I mean, barring that, people are like on that tip, by the way, though. But I mean, like, and that's a whole other, oh, totally. other thing, right? The aliens and the false coming and Antichrist and all that kind of narrative is like brimming on the side, too. But go on, sorry. Yeah, of course. That, that's brimming on the side, too. And that's all explicitly heretical Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like i i sent you that thing from uh the book of elijah about um or i'm sorry i keep saying the ezekiel it's It's ezekiel yeah Uh there is no book of elijah that's kings okay i did i fucked that up on the last one and i i can't even accredit it to anything other than green tea this time but um ezekiel the the uh, valley of the dry bones right which is like one of the most like haunting and terrifying images Mm mm-hmm uh, in the later, you know, prophet era of the New Testament, or Old Testament, excuse me, um, where it's, like, <clears throat> the image of, like, this just valley of just, like, sun-bleached bones, and then the sinews and the flesh coming back together, and, like, God asking Ezekiel what would be required to breathe language and life back into these bodies, right, that are just reforming in front of his very eyes. Very, very evocative imagery from a long time ago. Um but it, it's a complete misreading to think that that's a literal thing. It's actually, he's talking about prophecy, and prophecy always deals with not the direct thing in front of you. Right. It's, it's an interpretation of the thing in front of you. And to make that interpretation without being either a prophet or an agent of God is heretical. So all of these like QAnon types who are looking at this whole thing through that kind of lens, it's like, well, you kind of expect that from the arch version of Protestantism. But it's also just sort of like kind of laughably, it's so off base of what anything that you could look at as like coherent religious practice would be, that you just kind of want to look at it as fan fiction, you know, demented fan fiction off of like a fucking message board. Basically, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is essentially fan fiction or like, yeah, just like a folk tale spun. But yeah, I mean, in any way people do that sounds foreign based. Yeah, and that's the thing. A lot of these conspiracy theories are just apocalyptic fan fiction that's being written in real time by some of the most deranged people in our fucking society. Mm-hmm. Which is really funny. You mean the oracles like, and truth the... tellers? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The the sibyls and the yeah. Yeah. The sibyls of the cave. Exactly. Um. Yeah. But yeah, no. That's the that's the thing. It's like these people are sounding like they are suffering from like some sort of gas leak in their apartment, like a carbon monoxide thing or something, <laughs> or just like severe lead po- poisoning. And But they're actually finding like coherence and sense amongst other people because as much as we are living in the eerie state, we're also living in the weird state mm-hmm. of the hyper-normal yeah. that has been brought on by 
not just Donald Trump being president, but by the guy who's the antithesis of Donald Trump's presidency, Obama, being not that much of a foil to the destructive qualities of what's happening right now. Because you can look at his presidency and for everything terrible that Trump's doing, it was either aided or abetted by policy from Obama and Bush. Yep. Yep. And, yeah. So how could you not go crazy in these circumstances? Like, how could the average person, which we are not, you and I, uh, dear listener, Kit and I, are uh, the sages of our times who actually can <laughs> stare into the sun for about three minutes longer than any of you and walk away <laughs> unblinded. But even you and I crack a little bit. And I was cracking up last night, and, or last week, mm-hmm. I mean, and not in a good way. Yeah. You know, I was, I was just being like, I was like getting uncharacteristically angry. I was getting uncharacteristically like almost weepy. No, me too. I was like and upset. Just, yeah, I was crying yeah. and shit a little bit. Yeah, like waking up and yeah. just getting sad. I mean, yeah, it was weird. Yeah. I was like, I could just put my fucking head through a pane of glass right now mm-hmm. and I'd feel pretty good. And that's not a thing to feel good about, actually, dear <laughs> listener. That's not... Yeah, intended target of philosophical inquiry. I don't remember reading that in the philosophical inquiries of Wittgenstein, which I think. Yeah, but maybe in the investigation, the, the philosophical yeah. investigations of Van Margera, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really good. That's what I need right now. I I need to see Johnny Knoxville's fifty-year-old fucking skinny donkey ass fucking get like kicked by a zebra or something <laughs> into a pile of like fucking animal shit yeah yeah you know mm-hmm. i i need to see uh fucking uh chris pontius get buffeted by like a <laughs> a fucking fire hose level of elephant semen oh, God. just just right all over him or something that's i do miss that terroristic display because one thing that jackass had going for it that like no other prank uh-huh. concept since then really or uh, particularly these like self-proclaimed like youtube pranks <laughs> yeah, yeah. is their whole point is was to inflict damage upon each other in the public eye <laughs> it was to terrorize each other in the public eye <laughs> as opposed to terrorizing the public right yeah totally which i always kind of cringe at because you don't know what kind of quiet life someone's leading you barely know what kind of thing is going on in your friend's head but you know yeah totally the idea that yeah, there could be a guy walking down the street thinking about how his daughter got hit by a car last week or something, and then you're going to run up and be like, honk, honk. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, no, there's definitely like but an insensitivity and just like artist, like there's no artistic merit to that either. It's just like, that's just like cruel and kind of dumb. Like even if you are picking on someone who deserves it, it's still kind of like, okay, dude, I guess. But yeah, you know, like, but yeah, no, like it's, when you turn it on yourself and have people witness it, or kind of, it's like, yeah, it completely changes the, <laughs> the concept. Yeah, like one of my favorite bits was like Chris Pontius getting fired out of a steam vent dressed as the devil <laughs> and landing on his side in California, you know, uh-huh. and just being like, whoa, how's it going, guys? <laughs> it's the devil here. And he got punched in the face for that by some maniac. Nice. But um, yes, exactly. Like, let, is, let the people react yeah. to you and like <laughs> in, inflict right. violence if they so please, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and you know that's that's more of what we're talking about here. Um, little <laughs> any any uh, any um, any uh, on use your brain. Is there any silver lining uh, hmm. right now, and that you can think of? <clears throat> I mean, even if it's dark. I was kind of like, yeah, I was. I, I don't know. I was 
when I was bummed out, I was like kind of like making not making a list, but I was thinking in my head like, what is what am what's even making me happy right now? And like blah blah blah. Like obviously talking to my cats and stupid shit like that, or like riff tracks and stuff, stupid stupid shit like that. But yeah, like what what is the silver lining? Like what like it's it's again a situation where it's so big that it's you cannot speak for any one person or like beyond really yourself. But it's like I don't know. I mean, if anything, there is. Okay, so in this kind of um, revelation-esque, you know, or like in the sense of things being revealed or people being awakened and coming to kind of know something about what we didn't know about before, right? Like, that I think that there is a truth to that. I think that there's a, a sliver of truth to that. And I think what, what muddies it is what, tr- like, what are we coming to know? Or what is that information that you're coming to be aware of? Or is it even that, is it like a, is it even that like um, positive of, of, of an affirmation or is it more like a negative realization of like, no, oh, these things are all, I, I, I had illusions about these and I'm disillusioning myself, you know, as opposed to coming upon more of like a, an affirmative kind of um, sense of a, a new belief or new knowledge, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I don't know, it's kind of a, a wiggling words there, but you know what I'm saying? Um, but I do think that there's an aspect to which people are kind of like, I don't know, getting getting aware of something in a good way, but on the other hand, it's 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 so chaotic and weaponized, and it's like it's like Nietzsche's like the use and abuse of history, or like in the genealogy of morals, you know, he's got a section about you know the origin of a thing or the origin of just like anything is like it's always always separable from its origin, you know, it doesn't matter, like it can always be changed later and used in a different way, and it's kind of like what you're talking about earlier with just like. Uh, something about like narrative or like being able to interpret the symbolism of an allegory right um which is it's an always ever creative act it's never finished in a sense and so that's what makes it both problematic and also like potential like there's potential there because you can always like revise and like narrate the story differently or like you know how and i think that if you can be if you can like take in as much information as possible that seems contradictory and find a way to reconcile it all, I feel like that's like a stronger move, you know, than uh, falling into these just like discrete kind of things and thinking like, oh, this is this now. Like we're coming to realize that all of the people in Hollywood are pedos or like, you know, like it's like an affirmative realization or like that every cop is a fucking pig or something. So like, there's always truth to this. Sure. Yes. Yes. And no, but like not, you know, it's like you're, because you're making a universal statement, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's so it's, it's a complicated situation I feel like. And so I think that I feel like there is a silver lining there to some degree, but it doesn't mean that it's going to result in anything good happening necessarily either. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. And again, you know, kind of speaking to what you'd mentioned before, um, what we've been talking about, the, the origin of something versus what it can be just turned into by yeah. just literally anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was always one of the issues that was pretty strongly enforced in our, um, uh, our Christian history as when I say our, I'm talking about those of us who are like, you know, American or European background or what have you. The, the, the thinking that was promoted there that's been taken to its like illogical, maddening conclusion is that you're actually supposed to have more layers between you and um, the unveiling of prophecy and, and, the, and the, the will and desire of God. 
And the worst thing you can do is strip away all those layers mm -hmm. from priests to prophets to angels to what have you, and then just say that you have a direct line to God and you know what God's wanting of you and that you can act on that. Yeah. Which is, we're living in the age of acting on that. That's living yeah. in the age of hearing the little voice in your head and going, okay, this is something I need to go do. I mean, and that's like the magi. Yeah. That's like the magician or like the Simon the Magi kind of character, right? I mean, in a sense, like this yeah, worker of wonders. Of uh, uh, sorry, go on. I, you, you reminded me of something I was trying to think of. Oh, well, yeah, the whole, and, you know, I mean, that adds a whole other component to it because then you're talking again about uh, actually monetizing it and saying not only do i know what, what the will of god is or what the aim of the of grace is but i can actually make money off of this or i can pay for it and have it done for me right which is of course like right okay such a like yeah danger totally yeah and so it's like yeah the answer to the to the mysteries right basically like you know whether it be in a magician or kind of a but this is like a soothsayer it's like these kind of figures come in so many different ways but these people that like you say and then I think I might I may have brought this up in the past, but it, it I mean it, uh, it's worth repeating in terms of like Albert Pike making this he makes a comment where he's talking about how when Moses you know uh, unveiled the Ten Commandments, it was really a reveiling he calls it. He's like he think he's like interpreting the word like re revelation as like a reveiling of something. Like you, you're putting the veil back on it, so it's like. That's the that's like this weird thing. So like whilst claiming the direct knowledge, right? Like you're actually hiding it in some weird way. And like even and that's that's the whole symbolic kind of like cryptography kind of angle too, because you're like in speaking about it in such and such terms, you're like if people know how to interpret those words that you're using in in all of their different ways, you know, they'll get the picture, whereas someone else who may be more of a literalist or whatever is not going to understand it. You know what I mean? Like, so there's like, it creates this, just like really, it's kind of like a, just this, this snowballing effect um, of kind of like yeah. who's in the know, who has the information to be able to even be able to decipher what's going on, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah, everything gets reified. It's that notion that um, the map or the territory, the map is not the territory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The map is not the landscape. Mm -hmm. But nearly everyone right now believes that the map is the landscape because all they need is that little picture of it. Yeah. They, they, or they need the compass that will guide them around the image. And in this case, the landscape that most people are navigating is one form or another of altered reality, which would be television or the internet yep. or what have you. And so they're walking around on that and they think that that's reality. And now they're trying to turn that into reality. Yeah. And that is the that is maybe the most salient point of having the reality television star president mm -hmm. is that that idea that you can bring in post production and editing to literal reality. Yeah. The the the, the right ineffable framework that we all live within that is almost too vast and per yet at the same time personal to even remark upon. The idea that you could have a, a grand narrator of that and have that person be somebody as clearly operating in bad faith as any American politician, but specifically Donald Trump, is um, clearly leading us up for a tremendous fall, and a, and a, which I, I kind of in a weird way welcome at this point because, again, like you mentioned before, I'm not an accelerationist, but this can't hold anymore. We can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. 
it just can't continue like this. It's it, things can always get worse, but why should they have to continually get worse? That you can set your clock on it, that you'll be living in a state of doldrum, yeah. but also in a state of increasing misery. It's like it's like being trapped in like uh, knee high mud and wondering how long it's going to take for it to become crotch level mud. <laughs> or if you read about what quicksand actually is, yeah. Uh, very few people actually sink underneath it. You just get trapped in it, uh-huh. and then eventually you die. Right, right. Or the tide comes in, and the tide comes in and you drown. But you don't die of the quicksand itself. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where we're in right now. We're surrounded by the quicksand, and it's it itself is not going to kill us. The things that's going to kill us is whatever scavenger comes along and takes uh, advantage of our our torpor and our sluggishness and our and our and our uh, um, moribund state of being just yeah trapped in this fucking ooze Mm -hmm. definitely definitely and that ooze's name early 21st century american culture (laughs) the vril that the dark ooze yeah yeah i mean it is it's yeah it's like subterranean i mean that's like why all the symbolism and the metaphors of you know of the biblical and the apocalyptic or the demonic and all that stuff like makes sense and i like it i like it in the sense because it's like a fictionalization of reality and i like i'm almost more like sure. it's in that kind of sense of like you know reality is stranger than fiction and it's like especially when you start to graft the categories of mythology back onto like reality right it's just like it's you know i don't know it's a it's it's very bizarre and it's just i feel like that's part of like what you're saying in the, in the beginning you know bringing it full circle of just like the narrative and the fighting over the narrative and uh it's like people are returning to more of the the fragmented and the the multi-narrative and you know what i mean and so like it's like people are like inventing stories and there's you got plenty of people on the on your feed that will tell you like shouting like a fucking oracle in the corner you know like what's going on you know and this is this is what you know and so there's just so many you know there's so many voices a hall of mirrors i guess or something you know just yeah, we're all just making mud pies with Satan because we have nothing better to do because we're stuck. Mm-hmm. Mm. And and obviously there needs to be some kind of mover or movement to get people unstuck, but whatever that movement's going to be has to come about organically. It's not going to be something that is going to just be entirely engineered by culture, as would be suggested by a more positivist uh, view of, of, of the world, a more scientific view of the world. Because the world is just simply too chaotic for that to even be a consideration. I think, yeah, something, and we're getting a little long to get into it at this point, but maybe next time when we get back together. But something I've been, like, you know, reading about a lot is, like, ARGs and stuff and, like, augmented reality games. And my fear, and I think that, you know, it's like, I mean, the hands, you know, the winning side do have the kind of thing. And they're going to continue to push the, like you say, this editability of reality and, like, the the notion of an author and a story a discrete story is going to be done and over and it's going to be models and systems and simulations of stories and you know what i mean and, and what if this happens and what if you did that and you know what i mean these like choose your own adventure-esque kind of things and i mean it's because like these are like disney's like doing patenting software like this and and all these things are interrelated and all these people are like you know involved in creating like campaigns that are like guerrilla marketing and viral tactics right by like you don't know that it's not fake until the big release of like oh all of this was leading up to a production of a show or whatever you know and it's like that's a fairly benign use of such an idea but again in in this particular company i've been looking into it's called saga 
but they kind of like have that same Freemasonic like underlying philosophy of like uh, order out of chaos. So you kind of like you you program for chaos, right? And then you kind of try to throw in the variables as opposed to the more positivistic, more old style of like, okay, we have all these things, blah, blah, blah. And like, they're trying to get order out of order or what, something like that, right? Or like the sense of order that they're trying to obtain is just unrealistic. Whereas if you allow for more chaos and the kind of a quantum theory-esque kind of pseudo bullshit, right? Like things are always changing. You know, it's just kind of this this new agey, you know, way of appreciating, but it's a, it's a new strategy and method of like warfare essentially both psychological and you know physical i mean it's uh it's very very yeah. worrying in the sense of like wh wh how the deck is stacked against the average person it's super worrying and what's really funny is like of all the different things i could look back on as like moments where uh it's sort of what you're talking to like uh corporate design and trying to be on the cutting edge mm -hmm. plus um in group out group you know, threats and, and so forth and the way people respond to the uh, external stimuli, whether it's something that they're familiar with or whether it's something that just baffles them. All of that can be kind of like summed up from the 2007 Boston Moonanite panic when the uh, Adult Swim uh, had those things for Aqua Teen Hunger Force that were like, it was like um, guerrilla marketing. And it was just like these battery powered like Moonanite you know, the characters, the Moonanites from the two asshole ones that like cuss and give the finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are like, it's like people thought it was a bomb. They thought they oh were bombs because they were not in on the joke of what Adult Swim was in 2007. Uh -huh. And it feels like so much of what's happening right now between what people are trying to capture is trying to capture the edge of being in on it mm -hmm. and in on the joke and, and recognizing it while still like, um, having it be mass produced and really popular to everybody. Yeah. Something that everyone can recognize. And these are contradictions. They can't re reveal, they can't resolve themselves until the perfect thing breaks through. And whatever that thing is, it's going to make a ton of money and it's going to make a huge cultural change, but no one knows what it is yet. Mm -hmm. No one can predict that, but whatever it's going to be, it's going to be the thing that came after the Boston Moonanite panic, <laughs> which itself was just uh, an outcropping of just those uh, flash mobs that were happening in the early 2000s where it'd be like, what if we just spontaneously, we use the internet to spontaneously show up yeah. and dress up as characters and, and, you know, have a pretend battle between chunk and chunklet or whatever <laughs> from the internet. Um, and, and that's lighthearted, but it, it's so strange to see it then, you know, the people who were doing things like that are now in their like 40s and like, late 40s or whatever right. and you know some of them are millionaires it's like that some of them are like trying to ad busters yeah. yeah culture jammer kind of culture vibes or right. whatever kind of yeah like you say getting older gen xers or getting older or whatever and now these yeah they they're yeah. they're stiffs now they're they're like part of the new hip cia or whatever kind of in a sense you know what i mean yeah, or like, totally. whether or not they're like even operators or like in exclusive like you know direct agents or something but it's like you know the, that's the other thing is that like so nation of contracting out work and interns and stuff it's like in a lot of ways it's like just outsourcing that work and so it's not more like it's no, no longer clear you know the way in which yeah. you are actually doing something on behalf of you know the government or the, the cia or you know in some in some roundabout capacity right and it's i mean it's it's just impossible to like you know check for in a, in a weird way i mean obviously you can just try to be more honest and clear about what what you're doing obviously but but yeah no it's uh it's so convoluted and then i mean and the guy in the video himself is like you know don't believe every don't believe anything you see you know like we say like don't believe what you read but just don't even believe what you see like that's like the the philosophy and like strategy that they are themselves are having to adopt because 
or like that you know they see as this kind of new reality because it's like we're we're moving away from this discrete thing but then it's like why are we moving away from it what's pushing us in that direction and why and that's where it becomes i think a kind of a question of like well no like there's inevitable collapse built into this fucking stupid system because it doesn't know its own consequences. It's inequ- like this, the inequality, you know, the, the violence, you know, the just mass stupidity and of the structure itself. And so the fact that all I of this agree. is always just on that pushing yeah. towards that direction. It's like, this is not what people want. We don't need more Disney fucking augmented reality situations. No, like it's not necessary. Like, and it doesn't have to be sold to us under some guise of education or science or bullshit, you know? You know, if anything, what we need is, instead of augmented reality, um, sort of like more simple reality that isn't just hearkening back to a sense of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Like, remember when things were easier? We actually need to try to work to make the things easier. Not just say, oh, right. remember when it was all just like the Andy Griffith show or something? It's like, A, no, I don't. I was born in the 80s, and it's all been kind of a downward mudslide since then into shithole land. Yeah. But then the other thing is like, take the trap of nostalgia, which is like, well, remember when, and instead of doing that, you know, go try to actually design the simpler, better, cleaner, kinder, uh, less fucking evil world that nostalgia is really just asking you for when a younger, purer version of yourself was wandering around without a head full of problems every day. Yeah. How to do that, I don't know, but it's not going to be coming from fucking Disney, I'll tell you that much. And it's not going to be coming from the White House either. Yeah, no, I mean, bring it back to Wittgenstein, because that's something I was thinking of in relation, because he talks about private language, right? And it's like, I think that people do need to, this might sound counterintuitive, but people do need to kind of start to be able to develop like a, a personal or a private language and not have like all of their concepts be kind of like uh, mm. doled out to them and these kind of like, here's this one here's this here's this it's like you kind of need to like start to be like re-self mixing up and using some creative imagination like imagination i guess in a sense of not like unreal but creatively arranging these these things and seeing patterns in different ways and whatnot you know what i mean like yeah it's 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 uh i don't know how to do it either but i mean it's like yeah you just got to kind of um be humble and honest with what you're, you're learning yeah totally well I'd say that, you know, this was a bit of a loose one, but if we can come up with one thread here, it would be losing our shit. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll do a two-parter in the next episode. We'll be finding our shit. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. That sounds good Um, to me. This is a good one, man. Yeah, good talk. We're running a little long. Uh, I'll, uh, uh, everyone out there, try to to stay safe and try to stay alive. Yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah. Right on, man. All right, man. Well, take care, buddy. Okay, you too. Take care.